0: Welcome to Soft Girl Radio. This is a comedy slash self-help podcast for sensitive people that is equal parts sweet and salty. I'm Shakira and I'm your hostess and resident soft yet spicy girl. So pull up y'all and hashtag stay soft. <laughs> hey everyone. Welcome here. Welcome home. <laughs> um, yeah, so I... I'm just going to kick it off by saying thank you to everyone who listened to the first episode. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm very grateful. Uh, It was a really discombobulating experience, to be completely honest. Um, Oh, by the way, I just want to tell you that um, this is a two-sided effort. I know you made an effort to be here. And I also made an effort to make it a better experience for you. <laughs> so I have a couple new pieces of equipment to help me with those popping peas. On the last episode, um, you know, when I hit the P sounds and the B sounds, it probably hurt your ears a little bit. And uh, I have temporarily dispensed with my handy dandy pink velvet chair and have opted for a chair that does not move and also does not squeak. (laughs) So um, if this is your first time here, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but I guess just be grateful that it took you a while to roll the dice on me. (laughs) Um, And sometimes loyalty doesn't pay. In any case, um, yeah, it was pretty discombobulating uh, after I posted the first episode, so I want to just... Back up and explain how that happened. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I knew that it was time for me to like do it. And, you know, I had the name. The name comes from my ex coworker and friend, not ex friend, ex coworker, current friend, Aaliyah, um, who has been really supportive and encouraging about all my dreams and my potential, and she actually, you know, I was telling her the idea for this podcast a really long time ago, and she actually was like, oh, Soft Girl Radio, like as sort of a jokey, encouraging thing to say, but it was such a good name. So shout out to her. I did get her permission to use it. In any case, I needed to like grab the name on Spotify and Apple Podcasts um, so that nobody else would get it. And, you know, I've partnered with a designer is a really fancy way of saying I bought a design template on Etsy for the cover photo uh, that you've seen everywhere. The pink one with the sort of groovy letters, (laughs) retro letters, I should say, is a cooler way of saying it. Groovy makes me sound like a middle-aged dad. One day it will be in vogue again, to use the word groovy, but that day is not, not yet. Yeah. So I had everything I needed and I didn't want someone else to grab the name ahead of me. So I was like, well, let me just record an introductory first podcast. Um, and because I figured that mostly people who love me and want to support me would listen to the first episode of a podcast, which we all know, (laughs) you know, it probably isn't very good. I was like, well, these people, you know, their entry point is knowing me. So let me start there with like the story of how this happened. And I didn't ask anyone to listen to it or to repost it. And quite honestly, like had have very different plans for what this podcast will look like. Um, So I was shocked and touched and pleased and surprised when so many people listened to it and then reposted it and reached out, reached out? Is that the right way to say that? With really beautiful, kind, encouraging words. Um, So thank you to everyone who did that. Uh, It was really, really beautiful and unexpected. And to be completely honest with you, pretty discombobulating because like I said I just put the episode up there to have one up there so that I could grab the name on all these platforms um and uh you know I ha- I had like I said I had really different plans for what I wanted to do still what I want to do with this podcast so for there to be w- what felt like a lot of fanfare and excitement over um a type of episode that I had no intention of ever doing. <laughs> you know, it was a little weird. And I'm not, I'm not like saying that I'm not grateful or that I wasn't really touched. Like all of those things happened. It was like very, very encouraging, um, but also discombobulating because generally the way that I approach creativity is much more structured than that, much more planned, um, much more close to like a polished version of something and i i do feel like a lot of times when i when i make stuff for the intention of sharing it and putting out there i have a tendency to like overwork it to death like overcomplicating shit overthinking it but also like revising it many times like going over it if it's something's like not sitting right with me you know i'll i'll do it again start over again like All those things that add a lot of cognitive fatigue and a lot of cognitive load, like it makes it feel really, really hard to actually do it. Um, And then it makes it feel really, really exhausting and draining and not fun um, during the process and afterwards. (laughs) And so to do something that was very off the cuff and fluid and what felt very easy for me to pull off... Because it was just speaking from the heart. It was unprepared. Like, I had such basically no expectations for it. For people to respond so well to that, like, was at once, like, it's always, it always feels good to get positive feedback, right? I should say, most of the time, for most people, it feels good. But it's such a different way than I'm used to working and to get so much um, praise and approval and validation for that like, was discombobulating because um, a little part of me (laughs) was like, okay, like, what the fuck? What about the stuff I work, like, way harder on, (laughs) you know? Um, But I I actually do think there's something to that that, like, I was reflecting on it afterwards and specifically having a conversation with my friend, Greg Golden, who's really brilliant you should follow his really hilarious twitter account i'll put it in the uh i'll put it in the show notes is what people say but really i think that means i'll put it in the podcast description (coughs) i'm sorry um yeah i was talking to him about it uh the process and how it went and the results and he was like, well, you know, I think that there's some magic in the fact that there was guided bits and then bits that were more improvisational. Even my friends uh, Monica and Holly mentioned that too. Um, Yeah, and part, part of what he and I were discussing that he mentioned was that well, maybe you had more fun with it and people could feel that. And so they did too, <laughs> which makes a ton of sense. I definitely do think that's what happened. And it's like discombobulating. It's disorienting. Cause like I said, that's not the way I'm used to working. And I do think that there's been this implicit belief in the way that I have worked on creative stuff up until now, which is that like, If I overwork it to death, overthink, overcomplicate, like, try to get it perfect, revise it a million times, like, obsess over it, there's, like, this definite, like, obsessive fucking energy, Um, this obsessive energy of, like, suffering over it, then, like, I have some control over how it's received, right, because I've put so much effort in it, theoretically, uh, people should receive it really well. <laughs> um, and, and I think like, that's one thing, right. That we could dig into. We're not going to today, like this relationship between like creativity and suffering. And then like, y- you know, all the stuff that goes along with that, is highly problematic. Um, and <laughs> like, I do think that there's some logic in that. It's not sound logic, obviously, but like if I can suffer over something, right, and control the way that I approach it, and then I can rely on a certain outcome in response to my creative output, then I know every time I just need to show up and suffer and then I can get the thing that I want, right, theoretically. I think that's part of what has been going on with me. The other part of it is like, kind of a fucked up relationship with deserving validation and praise and feeling like I need to suffer for it. I mean, I think that those, the two dynamics I just mentioned are kind of two sides of the same coin, but yeah, I mean, it, it, so I'm really grateful for the response and really annoyed. (laughs) Uh, Truthfully, for that reason, I hope you know that my annoyance doesn't detract from my gratitude at all but it 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 really does put me in a more discombobulated place with my relationship to my process in good ways right I I mean I think we should all strive to be having more fun in creativity and for it to be more fluid for it to be more restful and joyful and pleasurable um but there's a lot of surrender involved in that it feels extremely vulnerable and um I don't know. I guess part of me still feels like, mm, are brilliant things created that way? I mean, when I say it out loud, it's obvious to me that they are. But I guess part of what it means to create something brilliant is is to have something that is not just vulnerable and fun, but also like original and compelling to some degree, right? and and so those things don't always go together. um yeah, mo- lots more to unpack there, but we're gonna leave it there for right now. Um yeah, and uh, I'm just looking at my notes here. Did you think that was gonna change for this episode? The pausing and looking at the notes and being unprofessional in that way? Did you think I was actually going to go back and edit this out? We're not there yet, truthfully. See how fast I veered in the other direction of like super fucking polished and perfectionist and now I'm like literally abusing your attention. It's because I've seen it done so many times by shitty male open micers that my standard for how much I think I can abuse an audience has dropped precipitously after watching so many people do it so hard. I'm just kidding. I'm obviously kidding. I hope that's obvious. Okay, so yeah, but just to put a bow on that, I still have a much more refined path for actual episodes. Um, Like, I don't want to do episodes alone. I'm not saying I never will, but Um, that's not my preferred way of working. I like to work with other people in community in part because I am a people person and also because it's a little bit of medicine for like my intense overthinking, overcomplication, self-sabotage, all of that. (laughs) Like it's, it's just like easier to, if you're working with the right person, feel regulated by their presence, um collaboration is really fun and energizing when it when it is working well you know so um yeah in part because it's my preference in another part because it's just the way that I work better so things are gonna change around here I think for the better uh but for right now this is what this is what we're doing (laughs) so okay I'm just looking at my notes here uh Okay. Um, yeah. So I want to I want to actually take a step back and sort of uh, talk a little bit more about that, about my plans and and sort of what I'm doing. I touched on this on the first episode, but f- y- for me right now, as I shared in the first episode, I have all these big plans for this podcast. Like as you heard me say in the first episode, it's a culmination of all of these like deep like you know, just cutting spiritual struggles I've had with my attachment patterns, my romance and dating life, with my struggles with procrastination and ADHD, even my struggles with chronic illness, like, you know, this idea of I'm meant to do something with all these experiences and the privilege that I've had to heal from them, you know, and my talents and stuff or whatever you know there's this heaviness to to this being like the culmination of those struggles this being you know my purpose my venture some uh, uh, like the way that I want to make money and replace my income from working for other people um and I've been wanting to do something that was like a reflection of my heart and authenticity and talents for a really long time. And I've tried a few different things over the years. Uh, If you've known me for a long time, then you know that I tried doing this farm dinner and this champagne tasting. And then I was making like self-improvement videos for a short stint in 2016. And every time I've tried to do something... I have come at it with this, like, do something creatively, do something purposefully, so not like for a job or for money or just to like keep my life going, but like this like purpose creativity piece. Every time I've tried to do something like that, I've brought this energy of like, some of what I just mentioned, like needing to overwork it to death and being really perfectionistic, Um, But also achievement addiction, you know, this relationship to achievement and work and hard work that a lot of it is colored by, you know, being an immigrant and a child of immigrants, capitalism, hustle culture, a huge portion of it is driven by shame over like so many years of procrastination and so many years of struggling with like ADHD tendencies and just i think deeper than that like this um i there's like again there's this like heaviness and expectation that comes with creative work of like okay this is my this is an expression of my soul this if i'm sharing it i'm basically implying that it's worthy of other people's attention and admiration right that's like i think what a lot of people feel when they share their creative work um and so a huge part of it for me has been like around self-worth which is what I was touching on in the first episode um so so there's this like relationship of course I've had with my self-worth that you know there's a lot of blood in the water childhood trauma just like bad ways of treating myself and relating to myself you know, I've spent the last five years, more than five years, healing from those things. You know, I'm still working on it, but I've come a really long way. But I say that to say that, like, um, you you know, if we can think of creative forces like, you know, this beautiful, soulful, ethereal expression, and if you've got feelings of lack of deservingness, or disconnection from your sense of self-worth, like that energy of feeling not deserving is the opposite of creative energy, which is very expressive, unapologetic. It's filled with deservingness and worth. It says, look at me, here I am. I have something important to say. The way that I'm saying it is worthy of your attention and time and consideration, right? Right? Um, and so I think it would trigger in me anytime I would try to do something creative and expressive, it would trigger in me the you know, those feelings of lack of deservingness that I think I was then like sort of overcompensating with, overcompensating for by engaging in this like overworking shit to death, the perfectionism, the overthinking, the overcomplication, the constant revisions, um, revisions is a very light word for what I was doing. Revisions sounds like intentional and conscious and professional and thoughtful when what I was really doing was like this like masturbatory process, except there was no pleasure involved of just like doing it again and again and again and again to try to get rid of that feeling of anxiety and lack of deservingness when in fact we know that That process of overworking something creatives to try to control how other people will react to it um, only reinforces, you know, all those shitty things we believe about ourselves. But then also, like, I do think some of that energy shows up in the final product, like that energy of desperation and overworking and like just like not having fun which is the opposite of what I think you all were picking up on in the first episode because I literally like didn't didn't think didn't know if anybody was going to listen to it really I mean I thought maybe a couple of people would click on it but definitely not the extent definitely not to the extent of what actually happened um and more importantly I didn't care <laughs> like I was just trying to grab the name on all these platforms I just needed an episode to put up on there So all of those, like, really maladaptive behaviors around creativity, the perfectionist shit that I have engaged in in the past, didn't really get triggered because, like, my expectations were just, like, in the trash. It sort of reminds me of when I was doing comedy and uh, doing stand-up, I mean, specifically. and, And I got to a point where... I did start finally recording my sets for a long time. I was really afraid of doing that. And my friend Elaine Golden, who's a really funny comic herself, was like, hey, you know, you need to record your sets. Like It'll help a lot. You hear it back. You learn a lot, all this stuff. So I started doing it and um, I, I would have never known this had I not recorded my sets, um, but when I was recording to or excuse me performing for extremely small audiences, when I mean extremely small, I mean like smoky dive bar, we have a section in the back, like three people are there, one person's paying attention. It's a wash basically, right? Like the stakes are so low when I would play back those recordings, I could hear so much joy in my voice when I was performing. And it was like pretty like fucked up like the first time i realized i played it back and i realized it i remember i was driving back from this like really really fucking seedy dive bar in like um suburban sprawl in south florida and this is like the kind of bar that had had i not been on a show with other melanated people of color like i would have been afraid to go in this bar like that vibe you know what i'm saying So yeah, uh, CD bar, just like no one gives a shit. No one's paying attention. The person who was the host of the show was like a really, really, really cheesy magician. Like just like really terrible. I probably shouldn't say this, but he's never going to listen to this a really, really bad magician. Like, if you can take, like, the caricature of what you think a really bad magician is in your mind and then, like, make it five times worse and then, like, put it in a CD dive bar in Suburban Sprawl, South Florida, it's like that. <laughs> yeah, I just, like, there was just, like, no expectations. And I'm I'm my set was better because you could hear the joy in my voice, you know? I do think there's a lot to say for this uh, detachment from expectation and... I mean, I do think like you get more authentic when you don't care what people will think, right? So I think that that's part of it. But it's hard. It's hard to do that. Like, it's, I I, I think with a lot of therapy and maybe like self worth work and like just like a kind of don't give a fuck personality, somebody could get further in their relationship with decoupling creativity from validation but if you're making things to share with other people and you want their attention or and or their money right at some point or you want to somehow make money off of i just i just it's hard for me to see how you would not fall into this trap to some degree like uh like all things in life i'm sure it's about managing it and not eliminating it but I say all of that to say that every time I have tried to do something creatively, right, and I've tried a bunch of different stuff in the past, I've come at it with all this energy, the energy that I just mentioned. Um, not just, it's been a few minutes now. But like, like you know, like I said, the, the adiv- achievement addiction, this like immigrant A+, plus, like I need to get a good grade on this, like uh, capitalism, hustle culture, desperation, like deep, deep deep-seated need for validation, insecurity, all those cute, fun, sexy things. Um, And it would just be really unfun, to be completely honest, like very unfun. And everything I've done, I've put this pressure on it of like, this needs to be my job one day. Um, This is my purpose. Like this was what I was meant to do. I feel so disenfranchised in the world so this is the thing that you know will give me belonging and meaning and and just like putting a lot of pressure on it you know um which by the way I think it's okay to like want your creative pursuit to be your job one day to be a source of meaning and creativity and or excuse me community and belonging there's probably a way to do that that's healthier or at least like manage the feelings that come up in the process of doing that you know I think that's okay but it does put put this pressure and and heaviness on it and um yeah it was not fun and I was it's it was really really tiring I think a lot of the energy that I was approaching most of my life with of like feeling undeserving, feeling unworthy, feeling inadequate, and then overcompensating with, like, overcomplication, perfectionism, um, burnout, working too much. You know, I, I doubled down on that when I would do something creative because of the inherent, like, extra baggage that comes with creativity and because I truly believe, like, Like I said, creativity is this ethereal process, this like unapologetic self-expression. And for me, historically, that has like triggered kind of my baseline feelings of inadequacy and um, unworthiness and undeservingness. So, you know, I would double down on all the the compensations I was I was using for that those feelings in other parts of my life, um, making creativity really unfun. Like I've mentioned a few times, so every time I would do something, the farm dinner, the champagne tasting, the self improvement videos. I'm sure there's other things I'm not thinking of right now. Like I started, I would have formed this association between trying, right trying to do this thing that was like really important and meaningful for me, and then not having any fun and feeling really, really, really exhausted. So now I feel like that association is embedded in my system. (laughs) And I've come to the conclusion that through a variety of, of methods like therapy, time, getting a lot of traction with my productivity as it relates to work and life, Creativity, but those other things, and like seeing that that came from not getting rid of this anxiety, but you know, sort of designing around it, working with it. I've come to the conclusion that um, if I want to have any sustained effort towards purpose, creativity, etc., like I have to rewire this relationship between trying creatively and getting really exhausted and not having any fun. So for me, what that looks like is really centering my joy and pleasure, thinking about like what comes easily easily and naturally to me. So like I said before, not doing this alone, doing this with other people, since that's the way I prefer to work, enjoy working the most, and I'm more successful working in general. Um, and And really reframing, the creative process and creative output less as like this thing that I need to grind on using the energy of desperation, which is like an energy that is deeply tied to feelings of lack and unworthiness, right? Um, Instead of doing that, I need to like treat my creativity like a delicate flower. So what does that mean? That means that I need to nurture it. That I like can't force it, that I need to go slow, that I need to like give my creativity what it's asking for in order to grow. I think like when people start new things, right? When you start a new creative thing, actually there's this really, really awesome video about the process of starting something new creatively, um, by an awesome guy called Struthless. That's his like YouTube name. I'll link the video in the comments. please check it out. It's really well done. He talks about how when you first decide to do something creative, you have this like spike of euphoria, right? And he literally shows a graph. It's not his graph. It's somebody else's graph. he He like cites it properly in the video. So go check it out. You know, you have this spike of of euphoria, and then like the graph like drops. <laughs> it's like a graph of how much you're enjoying it. Because like the process of finishing anything creative, even if it's something aligned that you're excited about, is such a fucking grind, right? It's like so much more fun to like think about what it's going to be like and like you know, brainstorm about the beginning stages. Like, finishing something is about solving problems. Like, whether they're emotional problems or technical problems or whatever kind of problem. Like, it's about solving problems and it's a fucking grind. (laughs) Because solving problems is a grind, you know? And it's like significantly less of a dopamine hit to finish something than it is to start something. I say all of that to say that Right. So this delicate flower of my creative process, um, which that metaphor makes me want to do things to myself that I can't say here without a content warning. (laughs) Um, you can infer it while I'm taking a sip of this water. Um, yeah. So right. Think of creativity is a delicate flower that's how i'm like viewing my creative process but i want to plot plant lots of flowers like i want to keep doing this i want to figure this out right i want to like do it on the regular i want to like make it my job i want to make money i want to do all the shit that i said the first time right so that means that i have to like figure out a system to support myself in making it repeatable until it itself is a self-reinforcing pleasurable fun thing to do So I know that was a mouthful that wasn't very elegant or poetic or smooth. But, you know, the process of starting something is really excruciating. It's like birthing something. It sucks. It's hard. It hurts. It's not fun. (laughs) Like maybe the thought of starting something, the taking the first step is fun, but then the process of finishing it is a grind. You know, and it's a grind – you know, I mentioned the two kinds of problems. There's many such kinds of problems we solve when we try to finish something, but the two I mentioned were technical, which is annoying, of course, unless you like that sort of thing, which in that case, mm, I think you should leave and never listen to this or engage with me again. (laughs) Go, go finish a puzzle since you like solving problems that much. Go like fucking clear your email, go clean your car, go finish your to-do list. Anyway, can you can you can you taste the saltiness that I have for essentially neurotypical people who can get things done by just wanting to? Um, in any case, yeah. So yeah. So f- starting something, the process of starting something creatively, like until you figure out what you're doing, right? Until you're figuring out what you're doing, and you have like done it a few times, and you have the feeling that you know what you're doing. It's painful. It's a grind. Um, and so to me, the beginning of the creative process of starting something that you want to keep going with, whether it's a podcast or a YouTube channel or drawing or whatever it might be, stand-up, whatever it might be, writing, you know, I'm going to say it again, whatever it might be. Um, the process of figuring out like, how do I how do I make myself comfortable enough that I can at least do this until I know what I'm doing and then that feeling of knowing what I'm doing will carry me towards doing it again and again like that's a completely different ball game than just doing something again and again and I feel like basically nobody talks about that like basically we have received zero education of course not in school why would they teach us anything of import um but not even in creative circles like this idea that the beginning part is really really hard and Like, I think that that's discussed. And and then the follow-up to that is like, it's hard. Like, you got to just like push through. I I don't, for me, that's not the answer. If you can do that, congratulations. Like, uh, I guess I'll send you a puzzle and send you on your way to clean your car and your to-do list. Because, finish your to-do list. Because for me, like, I need a lot of support to like do something again and again because it is so emotionally debilitating for me to do anything that feels meaningful, self-expressive. Like it it evokes all of this deep self-doubt and like, you know, paralysis and existential anxiety and self-sab to all the things that come with that. Uh, and it's so painful to sit with those feelings that I need things like building in rest, going slow, doing it the fun way, having accountability, having touch points, like all these, like having, you know, people who I can talk to about the way that I feel. Just like a lot of, if you can think of how much you need to nurture a very particular finicky plant, (laughs) a flower in order for it to grow, that's like what I need, right? And historically, when I can get enough of that, to really address the emotional parts that come up um I feel like I'm hitting some really high notes when I'm speaking sorry what the emotional parts that come up um that's when I can get to the point where I can do it enough such that like I actually see results you can't rely on results in the beginning because like I said in the first episode my friend Maxine said you know it sucks to suck like you you have to support yourself with something else and for me, and I think for a lot of people, truthfully, it's not enough to say, push through, it sucks. Like, that's not enough. And, and I don't think it should be that way. Um, I'm, I think I might've mentioned this in the first episode, but my friend Kelsey, you know, we, we, we um, we work together a lot, like accountability wise and, we use timers and sprints and we've had like different accountability partnerships in the past. And, you know, I was telling her like a, f- a few months ago, I said something along the lines of like, damn, like we need so much. Well, probably I was referring to myself. I need so much support to like do anything. <laughs> like even like errands in my life. I got to like life chores, got to like use my accountability, use my timers. And she was like, well, uh, you know, actually, no, I wasn't referring to that. But that's true. And it supports my point. I was talking about work, like for my job, how much support I need to get it done. And she's like, well, we were never supposed to work alone. Like even when we were on the Savannah for millions of years, like before, you know, agricultural civilization like sedentary agriculture like we would work in the fields together like we'd this idea that we have to do things alone is just like a very new thing I think it's like a very it feels like a very American idea feels it's giving late stage capitalism it's giving like stay alone in your expensive apartment where you have a bunch of like stuff that only one person uses like a hairdryer and pots and pans and you're really lonely you sit in your apartment do your work from home job sit on netflix all night and are just like really lonely and depressed like it's giving that energy and that's not a criticism that was me four months ago <laughs> that's just like uh that's not a criticism of you that's a criticism of the culture that we live in and And how we've just taken it for granted that like we don't live in community anymore. We don't do things in a community anymore. We don't work in community anymore. I feel like creativity is some of the most exposing, emotionally harrowing stuff you can do in your lifetime. Like in many ways, it feels more intimate than sex and So why wouldn't you need like a lot of support and love to sustain that effort or even to just like explore different things creatively? So that's where I'm at. I'm really trying to uh, rewire this relationship between attempting something creatively and related to my purpose and then really not having fun, and really suffering, and really not resting, you know, it's to the point where I feel like my body has been so entrained in that, um what would you call it? You'd call it a Pavlovian, it's not a reflex, response? Anyway, in that, damn, it's bothering me now, if it's not the chair, it's me trying to word search, right? It's always something distracting us from the conversation at hand. From that um relationship, reinforce. What is the word? I'm sure I've been using it this whole time. Okay, we we should move on. From from that, it's really bothering me though. You know what? I'm gonna look it up. Let's look it up right now. If I'm not, if I haven't like egregiously wasted your time at least once an episode do you really love me let's see that was a little aggressive i'm on thesaurus.com i'm always on thesaurus.com by the way not just like for fun in my day-to-day life but i have to write a lot for my job my actual job okay so we said um let's let's see what the reflex Okay, that's not really habitual. I know that's not the word, but I'm just trying to figure out like response. Let's try response. I'm just trying to figure out a word that can help us figure out the word that I'm looking for. Well, let me type in, let me just Google Pavlovian, Pavlovian response. Okay, conditioning. I think that might have been the word. I think that's the word I was looking for. Maybe I haven't used it. Okay, I'm gonna resist clicking on the Wikipedia page for classical conditioning. Gonna X right out of that. And X right out of the source. Yes. So this conditioned relationship that I've had between like attempting something creatively to, you know related to my purpose and then feeling really exhausted like I feel like that's so embedded in my system now that when I even think about doing something creatively like I feel like my body is like no fuck you like I feel like it's revolting and so it really feels like for me right now I'm having to go even slower that I than I would like to to do because I feel like my body's testing me to be like is this time really different am I really safe this time like are you gonna abuse me again to this end you know so um yeah that's where I'm at and and intellectually I know that this is like the healthy place to be and that the only way I'm gonna be able to sustain a creative effort is to go really slow right now and focus on reconditioning this relationship that still doesn't feel like the right phrase but we're gonna go with it yeah, reconditioning this relationship, like I need to not focus on outputs right now. I need to not focus on like what's what I think is gonna be successful, like what, what I think is gonna be monetizable, what I think is gonna be enjoyable and entertaining and valuable, like I really just have to focus on like how can I, two things really, they're related, but how can I sustain my creative output as long as it takes for me to feel like I know what I'm doing, because once I feel like I know what I'm doing, then it becomes more self-sustaining for me personally. How can I do that? And the answer to that question is the only way to do that is to prioritize my rest, my pleasure, what feels fun, what comes easy. So that's where I'm at. And um, that means like I have to go really slow, but I'll be honest with you, it feels really shitty to go really slow, because even though I have a different relationship to my procrastination, well, I don't really have that problem the same, I don't really have that problem anymore, really. Um, Occasionally, in certain circumstances, yes, but, you know, I spent so many years in like a cycle of chronic procrastination, where I thought that that was my number one problem as a human being. It sounds so crazy to say it now both because I've solved it and because what a ridiculous thing to think that that was my <laughs> biggest problem. I mean, it was, but what a ridiculous biggest problem. Like, I was so much more than my output. But I- I- anyways, that's some, like, reparenting right there in in real time that you're getting to witness. This a special moment. Makes up for all the time I spent abusing your attention on Thesaurus.com. Uh, would it be so funny if I... If I broke for a sponsored ad right now from Thesaurus.com, wouldn't it be that that wouldn't that be like the most guerrilla fucking covert marketing? I'm not there yet, but trust that when the time comes, I will uh, <clears throat> tacitly covertly abuse your attention to make money, but in a consensual way that benefits us both. It sounds a little kinky, doesn't it? Yeah. So, um. <laughs> where was I? Okay. Uh, Yeah, I, there's all this blood in the water after years of chronic procrastination and that being really frustrating and feel knowing that I have all this natural talent and innate potential and then not being able to actualize it, right? There's a, like a lot of, you know, there's one problem of the impact procrastination had on my life and then there's quite another problem of all the shitty things that did in my relationship with myself like how much that eroded my trust with myself um like this relationship this very urgent relationship I've now developed with time and like the passing of time and all this existential anxiety that I have so it's frustrating now because me going slow Right. And nurturing my creativity. It's not like I'm not moving. I am moving, as you can see by this episode, by the stuff I've been doing on Instagram. Like I am doing it. But um, to not go fast. And I guess maybe now that I'm saying it out loud, it's going to sound fucked up, but I'm, you know, apparently telling all the truth in this episode. I, I guess I'm feeling the absence of that desperate energy. I'm feeling the absence of that obsessive abuse of myself, the, the like, just, like, um, desperate, repetitive revisions, the sacrificing of my rest and well-being. You know, so I'm not moving fast, but I'm also not suffering. And I almost feel like that suffering was almost like the burn that you get when you lift a weight, like, okay, this hurts, so I feel like it's working. I almost feel like suffering for my creativity was the way that I could simulate a sensation to know that at least I was making an effort. It's really fucked up, you know? I mean, I have compassion for myself because I came by this honestly, but it's really sad, right, when you hear it. So it's hard. It's hard to watch myself go really slow right now for all the reasons that I just mentioned, but also because I'm excited and also because I feel like I have, like, finally figured it out right so my calling in life right now in this phase of my life I believe is to do this work around you know procrastination self-worth attachment stuff self-doubt like all the things we've been talking about and to use my experience you know to entertain people and show them that like change is possible through self-acceptance and all the bullshit you've heard me it's not bullshit but all the shit it's not shit all the things you've heard me say um right and i feel like it's a very special moment in my life in many ways because i can't do this work without having lived it suffered through it and made some traction on it and it took me 33 years to get here am i gonna cry again (laughs) it would be so funny if this is the exact point where I cried in the last episode. Like you can just expect it. There's your Pavlovian conditioning at the 47 mark minute minute mark. You know that I'll cry. No, it's taken a lot for me to get here, right? Like it's not like I am an artist that draws and like I needed to learn how to draw. No, I needed to struggle for most of like my life so far with my procrastination with my attachment stuff with my self-worth and then like do all the work i have done to heal you know time money energy like all that shit to get here to the point where like i'm still connected enough with those struggles that i can talk about them but i have healed enough that i can like talk about them in ways that are actually helpful and in ways that are funny like (laughs) like hopefully right um Like I had to live this first and I feel like I'm there like straddling this moment of having lived it in the past and like being able to turn it into art that makes me money, right? I'm here in the middle of those two like phases of my life, hopefully. And that, you know, now I'm sort of it's turning into self-therapy but that deserves a lot of compassion and patience like of course i'm going slow it makes sense that i'm going slow not just reconditioning Ah, i think that was the word i was looking for after all reconditioning my relationship with creativity but also because like what like i'm having to turn my life my deepest life struggles into art or not having to but wanting to like of course, that's a slow process of like, it's totally different to go from living these things to like talking about them, right, in ways that are hopefully helpful and entertaining, but also like fun and sustainable for me. Like that's a really tall order. So yeah, um, that's where I'm at right now. And uh, I'm also actively dealing with health issues. So yeah, that's like, that's like some context around the pace of my production not that you know i feel like i have to say that but that's i bring it up sort of a little bit to explain myself but also because that's what i wanted to talk about today all these things and um i used to listen to this podcast back in my like hardcore procrastination days called i procrastinate um it's by an academic who, like, does a lot of research on procrastination. He himself struggles with it as well. The podcast is is really interesting. I shouldn't say that. It's really helpful. He's a really dry academic, so I can't quite recommend it. I think my tolerance for dry academic stuff was higher than the average person because, well... <laughs> I might be a dry academic but also because I've just had to like read a lot of dry academic stuff so like for my degree and also you know yeah yes <laughs> I've I've had to do that so so I feel like my tolerance is a little bit higher but in any case um I can't I can't all the way recommend it but he does have a really great quotation that he says all the time not all delay is procrastination and that's where I feel like I am right now um yeah and I I also want to say that this is sort of a mirror to what happened in my relationship with procrastination and time management and all the progress I made with timers and accountability partners like There was like a period of grief that I had to go through because for so long in my life, right, I mentioned that that was like the number one problem I had for a really long time. I would just like desperately try to fix myself, therapy, coaching, books, like do all this shit. And I had this idea that one day I would fix it or I would find the thing that would change things for me, that would fix things, that would fix myself. And that sort of maladaptive fantasy, like, it was a maladaptive fantasy, number one. I think it, it was really painful, but it also had some pain-relieving components, right? Because it was a fantasy. It felt good, felt different than the reality I was living in. Um, but it kept me in that cycle of, like, wanting to change and fix myself, when for me, the biggest, biggest, biggest Edge I've gotten on my procrastination and time management stuff has really been starting from a place of of self acceptance and using where I am now using timers and accountability. I couldn't take medicine. I couldn't tolerate Ritalin, Adderall, and you know like a few variations of those. So there was this grief I I had to pro like go through that like okay. I've made a shit ton of progress and this progress looks really different than what I wanted and what I was expecting. And this like fix it fantasy I was living in that like one day it will all be okay. And okay, like this feeling of it being okay will look really different than how it looks right now. Like it, it's hard, man. It's hard to realize that like, Yeah, it's not fixed. Like I don't um, wake up with like lots of intrinsic energy and motivation and focus brain power to get things done every day. I get things done every day or, you know, many days, the days that I set out to get things done and my health, physical health is in the place where I can do that because I have all these structures that are not solutions, they're supports, right? So it's a totally different um, energy. And like I said in the first episode, I don't want to downplay how far I've gotten with procrastination and ADHD stuff. I've gotten really, really far and it just looks really different than what I was hoping for many years. I'm super grateful for it. I think like where I am is exactly where I should be. I think my tools are really authentic to who I am. And it's not gone, guys. Like, that's my point. The, the problem is not gone. I've just designed around it. And that is a, a very hard pill to swallow. I've seen that mirrored, that process mirrored in like the uh, really intense trauma I've had with my love life and relationships and attachment, Um, which we'll talk more about in future episodes. Like, uh, yeah, it's, um, my triggers are still here. My relationship with my triggers has shifted. That has shifted my triggers in really beautiful, wonderful, and soulful ways. But dating is never going to feel like perfectly easy for me. I don't think it feels perfectly easy for that many people, but it's honestly... And I'm saying this not from a place... I know I'm being a little emotionally severe in this episode. I've had like a pretty existentially anxious last few weeks and um, haven't had the best time with my physical health or mental health. (laughs) That may account for some of my severity, which, you know, I hope that this was what you (laughs) were in the mood for today. But, But I do think it's reality. Like... The reality of the situation is that my love life, my attachment stuff, will probably always be a very tender and challenging part of my life, regardless of how much therapy I do, trauma healing, like spiritual work, regardless of the people I date. Like, this is just hard for me. Like, it just is hard for me. It's not my fault it just is hard for me and i think the same is true of um you know my procrastination time management stuff i've made a lot of progress i trust myself now i don't lie to myself all those beautiful things i said in episode 1 but it it's something i manage <laughs> like it's not something that went away um so yeah uh this process that i'm now going through yet again like I went through it with my time management stuff. You know, I think I've been coming to terms with it with my relationship attachment stuff. You know, and now it's sort of hitting home with my creativity purpose stuff that like it's it's hard and I can do work on it. I can get lots of support for it, and it's probably always going to be challenging. That doesn't mean it's not worth it doesn't mean I shouldn't try, but like no one is coming to save me. Like there's no silver bullet. This isn't going to go over way overnight. All this blood in the water I have with myself, like all these deep feelings that creativity evokes around like all the things I just mentioned before, you know, the obsessive revisions, the like feelings of unworthiness, the insecurity, the self-doubt, the anxiety, the existential anxiety, like it's not going away guys. (laughs) Like it's, it's, it's just something I have to learn to work with. Like it's an energy that I have to work with. And there will be other energies in the process, beautiful, fulfilling, amazing, resounding, soulful, ethereal, transcendent, divine, wonderful ones. And this part isn't going away. It's like, I think for most of my twenties, I had this feeling right i had this deep deep feeling not for most of my 20s for most of my life i'm here to do something important and like the things i have gone through i've gone through them and had the privilege to heal for that from them for a reason and because i had that feeling of like divine fateful purpose i i just thought it was inevitable that it was going to happen and Foolishly, I thought it was going to feel easy. When it did. When I finally figured it out, I thought it was going to be easy and effortless and magical and beautiful and just smooth and go off without a hitch. And like I mentioned in episode 1, I mean, that's a little, you know, not only is it foolish and unrealistic. I say that with self-compassion, but also it's um it's it's my point of view. Like what would I talk about if I didn't have these struggles? Um, and it's just like, not, it's not the way reality works, not in this iteration of the unit of reality, not in this, you know, singular manifestation of the multiverse. Like, it's just like, not how things work. Um, like no one's coming to save me. These are the things that I'm going to have to deal with. And like, I have all this wonderful support and there's like all this amazing possibility for what could happen and it's not going to magically change overnight it's not going to be something radically different than what it is so that is painful to deal with and i think that realization you know sort of um what's the word for it cascading like dominoes you know, first with my time management, then with my relationship attachment, trauma stuff, and now with this creativity stuff, it's it's happening as I'm aging. I'm 33 years old, the age that Jesus was when he died, <laughs> and we both had important things to do. Okay, that was like really, that was a joke. It was also really egomaniacal and may also be a little bit about, a little bit a kernel of truth of how I feel. <laughs> um, delusion is like a very critical ingredient to doing anything creative but yeah i uh i don't really think i'm jesus i guess i should clarify that i do not think i'm a messiah but um i do think i have something important to do here and uh yeah I, uh, anyway i was saying i'm 33 and a half years old like i'm getting older like i can see the signs of aging on my body which is like a jarring experience as a woman. Those changes have happened kind of in concert with changes from my chronic illness, which have been a double dose of, (laughs) you know, uh, all the things that all of us deal with being in this society that is obsessed with very specific kind of beauty, but it's like really hard when you live in a feminine coded body. Um, and it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just a hefty pill to swallow. I mean, I think we all deal with this, right? As we get older, that like a lot of the ways that we thought things would be, hoped things would be, dreamed things could be is not the way things are shaking out. That doesn't mean that beautiful things haven't happened at the the end that they won't continue to happen. It doesn't mean that change isn't possible. It doesn't mean that magic isn't real. But it also means that like there is an inertia in our lives and inertia in our various dysfunctions and challenges that like is a force we have to deal with. I'm not saying it's inevitable. I'm just saying it's part of, it's part of the, it's part of, it's a package deal, you know? So this realization about my purpose, my creativity, the existential anxiety it's bringing up is like definitely exacerbated by aging like being 33 and a half you know um I think moving back to my hometown moving back in with my parents which are both really positive changes that I chose that like I chose from a place of calmness not necessity but those things and add to that like you know no partner no children when I would like those things like it's just difficult. It's just, I mean, I don't have a good solution and I don't really have anything poetic to say about it because I think it is what it is. Um, it's painful and it's hard. And, um, yeah, I I think we all have, you know, many, most of us have time. I can't guarantee you that you're, you know, going to live sorry, we're getting really existentially morbid. I can't guarantee you that you're going to live a long time or even tomorrow, but you know, most of us have time. And like, for example, you take Brene Brown, who like made it in her fifties. I'm not, I'm not trying to further this really toxic narrative that like, you only have a certain amount of time to figure things out. I definitely don't think that that's true. And I personally can very viscerally feel the passing of time, and it's it's hard. It's like difficult to be in this stage of still figuring things out and aging. You know, I, I I have so many white hairs that I have to get my hair dyed every six. Well, I should I could do it every six weeks. I'm really doing it more like every three or four months, and yeah i just it just wasn't like that, like even six months ago, and I, yeah, I think it was the um globally internationally acclaimed poet Smash Mouth who said the years start coming and they don't stop coming. <laughs> That's kind of kind of where I'm at right now um so yeah i a- and I should provide some perspective again, I know that I've been pretty severe. It's all going to work out beautifully for me. I really do feel that. Like, I really do have faith and belief that all of this stuff will work out, that I'm right where I should be, that, like, everybody has their own path. And it's still also hard. Like, all those things are true. And, you know, now that I'm finally moving and I feel like the thing I'm doing— right like i'm doing something that's tied to my own struggles like i've picked a format that i think works better with my personality i'm like much more committed to doing things in a way that feel feels fun and restful for me and i haven't not all of those things have never been true at once for me before so this does feel like a really special moment and i am moving you know i'm moving on all of these things but it's per- painful to move for all of the reasons I just explained. I was telling my friend, Jonathan Pamplin, who's really lovely and wonderful and smart and funny. Um, you should check check him out. Uh, maybe I'll get his permission to link his Instagram handle in the notes. But um, yeah, I was telling him how I feel. And he was like, yeah, it makes sense that you know, if you've been sitting for a long time, and you stand up and you start moving, your legs are gonna hurt. And that I felt was like, so poetic, (laughs) and so compelling and true. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. And I'll also say that like, When we talk about creativity and we talk about, you know, creating movement, like doing it, I'm I'm saying the words moving and movement, but the words that most people use are like, just do it, just getting it done, stop making excuses, that kind of language. Um, You know, there's this really toxic Narrative and hustle culture and capitalism that we're all familiar with like, just don't be lazy, stop making excuses, just do it. But even in more positive and emotionally healthy spaces that are more progressive, people also still talk about, like, well, it's really just about taking action and just doing it. And a lot of your feelings that you have about doing something creative will get resolved if you just try to do it and get started. You just get started. I actually think that that's still a very not nuanced, and limited understanding of what is happening. Because movement doesn't just require that you figure out what it looks like for you to start. It also requires reorientation of how you think about yourself in the creative process and what you know to be safe and true. So, for example, if you are a person who has struggled a lot with procrastination, perfectionism, self-doubt, self-sabotage, all the things we've been talking about, there are really, really, really good reasons, probably tied to like a lot of childhood trauma and trauma later down the line that that built upon that original childhood trauma, as trauma does, Um, there's a lot of really good reasons why You may be avoiding things or procrastinating or not moving. Really good emotional reasons related to your survival. Are they true? No. Do I think that for many of you listening to this and relating to it, it could be really good and beautiful and positive to like examine and overturn those beliefs? Yes. But they serve a function. You didn't just choose to not want to do anything that's important to you. And I feel that like the process of figuring out what to do and like what it looks like to start is actually significantly less important if you have all the issues that I just mentioned than figuring out like then, then reorienting to how you think about yourself in the creative process, which is easier said than done, like usually involves therapy, which usually costs lots of money. And like taking things slow because you have learned to be safe by not moving and moving feels really scary. I mean, you've just heard me go on an hour and 10 minute long diatribe about how scary and difficult it has been for me. And so if you are rewriting what you know to be safe and true, that is a very tender, sacred process that deserves patience, and faithfulness, and self-compassion, and that is just as if not more important than the actual thing you do, whether it's writing, or drawing, or stand-up, or whatever it might be, and like I said, like, you know, I think that that's easier said than done, like, usually requires therapy, it takes time, it takes self-work, like, it takes supportive people, it takes healing, But just know, I just want you to know that that's like part of the reason why you haven't moved yet. (laughs) And I think just the knowledge that like that's part of it and that's valid and that takes time, that takes work and it's not, it's, it's not you just not doing it. (laughs) That's not why you're not doing it. Like if it was that simple, you would have done it by now. So I just want to raise that and Make sure that you're aware of it and that you carry it with you in your heart that like it will take time for you to feel safe moving. You'll have to reorient your relationship with yourself and how you think about yourself as you move. That is difficult, takes time, and you deserve to be nice to yourself during the process. In fact, being nice to yourself is the only way you will feel safe doing that. So I just want to offer that (laughs) um, as a person living it right now. (laughs) Uh, And uh, yeah. All right. That was a lot. That was pretty intense. Thank you for listening if you made it this far. We are going to wrap up in just a couple minutes, but I want to just tell you some important things really quickly. Number one, if you're curious where the game show style segment is soft girls gone wild, or I think I said soft girls going wild to try to avoid um, legal troubles that will definitely not happen to a podcast this tiny. Um, It's really important for me to make the podcast really fun and entertaining. And I'm still trying to figure out exactly what that segment will look like. So it's coming soon. Um yeah, but in the spirit of starting before I'm ready, it's not here yet. <laughs> Secondly, um if you've liked the episodes so far and you want to know when there's another one coming and you're listening on Spotify, you can just hit the following button following follow there's a button on spotify when you open the podcast page that just says follow or following you can just hit that one click button you'll get a notification when i upload a new episode and because i'm not on a regular posting schedule yet that will be important if you would like to know when new episodes drop and thirdly uh if if you've liked you know the this Stuff <laughs> so far, then um here's one very concrete easy way I think easy you can help me, and that is that uh if you could just send me a message on Instagram if you don't know my Instagram then uh I will link it in the uh, I'll link it in the show notes and um just send me a message and let me know if there's like one idea that you found really helpful or something about this episode that you liked um. I think the encouragement really helps me a lot in this phase that feels just really enveloped in fear and uncertainty and perhaps, definitely not perhaps, definitely imposter syndrome. So that would be a huge help. And um, a bunch of people did that without me asking for it last time. So, you know, no one's going to do it this time. (laughs) I'm just kidding. A bunch of people did it last time, I'm really grateful for it, and uh, it really did help me kind of move through all the murkiness we've been discussing to try to post another episode. So, oh, the last, last, last thing I'll say, perhaps most important thing to say, is that it's still really important for me to do the format that I originally set out to do, which is not a solo episode situation, so stay tuned it's coming soon it's already scheduled um and i don't know i I keep saying i don't know if i'll ever do another solo episode again but i keep doing it and it's mostly because i want to you know keep this momentum going because it's so painful to start (laughs) um yeah but i really do want to move to another format so uh Yeah, stay tuned for that. And again, I really appreciate you listening if you made it this far. And um, who knows? Maybe you'll have a good day today. We'll see.